Hello and welcome to episode two of Jumpcast, the brand new podcast from the award-winning team behind Jumpcut Online. My name is Sarah. I am your host for today's shenanigans and I am joined today by Sam. Hello. And Nick. Hello. And our main review today is Ad Astra, plus we've got some news, thoughts on other releases this week and plenty more. So let's get into it. Um, bear in mind that something huge may happen between us recording and this episode going live. It's been a bit of a slow news week this week, but we did have a couple of things on our radar. And first of those is uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds reportedly set to star in a musical reimagining of A Christmas Carol. Uh, thoughts, feelings, are we looking forward to that? Well, I've, I've actually never seen or heard of A Christmas Carol, um, so it sounds, sounds intriguing. Um, I don't think there's been many takes on it yet, so it'd be interesting to see what they do with it. I sense some sarcasm, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, has that come through? Has that come through? Um, A little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? In all seriousness, um, I think the pairing of those two is brilliant and intriguing because it's one's sort of lost i feel like he's lost his his comedy run recently in the few films he's done um and the other whilst a bit sort of one note with like deadpool and cameos in other films seems to be sort of sticking to one particular formula um seeing them together will be interesting but my only concern is that sean anders and john morris who did daddy's home are the brains brains behind this um and I was going to be a sound of really real bitch then and said loosely use the term brains, but they are, you know, creative fellas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. And just a musical with these two. I don't, I don't know what, what's, what's everyone else's verdict. I didn't know it was the guy behind daddy's home working on this. So uh, my expectations are immediately going to the floor. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm learning that now. So All I, right, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone was enthusiastic and it's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. I, I feel like this is just, I don't know if you've seen Daddy's Home 2, but um, the film ends on a musical high with John Cena and a bunch of families inside a cinema. So maybe this is him thinking, you know what? I did one scene with musical. Let's do a, let's do a full film. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Both um, sort of sat there going, mate, I think we're onto something here. What we need is, is we need more Deadpool in it. Um, and more music. <laughs> yeah. As well, what do you think in terms of, with it being a Christmas carol, just, just to clarify, I have, of course, heard of this. Um, uh, do you can you imagine one what what roles do you think they'll be playing, um, and two will they sort of stick stick to the source material as it were and actually be English like have a, have an English accent or not? I could see Will Ferrell as a Scrooge. I don't know. That's just my that's my gut reaction. I don't know about Ryan Reynolds. Maybe Tiny Tim. Can you imagine Ryan Reynolds as just like a a stupidly gorgeous Bob Cratchit? That would be. <laughs> like his his family would not struggle they would just live off his look surely yeah i mean that would certainly be a fresh take on it we haven't seen that version of a christmas carol before so just to jump off what sarah said then i'm, I'm down for ryan reynolds as tiny tim certainly be interesting here's a good one who would you have of your ghost of past present and future let's just uh, get john c Riley right in there if we're gonna have the trio oh he'd be marley <laughs> He'd be a great Marley. What br- right? We should just we should send this off now to to Anders and Morris and just be like, lads, we've got your idea. Yeah, it's official. We've cast it's it. It's going to be like a Netflix movie, or is it an actual quote unquote movie? 
Um, at the minute, there's no, from what I can gather, there's not a lot of detail on who's working on it. I know both um, uh, Wolf Arrow's production company and um, Ryan Reynolds are just working on it together. And I know that with, with Reynolds sort of doing a few Netflix films in the pipeline, he's got the one with The Rock lined up and Gal Gadot and um, the one that he's done with Michael Bay. All right. And then obviously Will, Will Ferrell's got Eurovision as well, where Pierce Brosnan plays his dad. Because why wouldn't he? <laughs> there's there's a there's a whole sentence I never thought I'd say. <laughs> the crazy world. I don't know why, but when when this got announced, I don't know why, but my my head like paired it to that Amelia Clark musical thing that's coming out at Christmas, and I thought it was just another string. Oh, that. last Christmas. I don't know why. Well, if if they merge into both films. Then you know that's pretty unexpected. I'd I'd be intrigued. Last Christmas Carol. We'll just we'll just combine them. We don't need more than one Christmas film. We can just put both of them together, and it will be great, maybe or um, not. Ryan Ryan Reynolds has already got experience with with George Michael and Wham anyway, hasn't he? So that will be um, Wham. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But um, yeah, I'm I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm neither excited or sort of worried about it. I just think it will be a thing that will happen, and. I may or may not see it. Um, so that was... I'm, I'm really glad I'm here to present that valid opinion. <laughs> well, talking of things that may or may not happen, um, our next piece of news is that the uh, the rumour mill about remakes is starting up again and the latest one that is in conversation is The Princess Bride. So this is the... I believe the uh, CEO of Sony Pictures Entertainment who has stirred pot um in a variety called in a sorry let's start that again in an article for variety magazine uh i liked variety called <laughs> i've made a new word it's fine yeah keep it keep it <laughs> keep it don't cut it sam um yeah <laughs> he has said very famous people whose names i won't use that they want to redo the princess bride now i well, you know, let's get the controversy. Let's just kick it off right now. I, I don't love The Princess Bride, and I know that probably makes me a terrible person, but I think it's <laughs> fine. I didn't watch it until quite late on, and I think had I watched it when I was younger, I might have loved it a bit more, but I don't, I, I don't get this great affinity that people have for it. So when I saw that they were thinking, of, you know, it's just rumours at the moment, but thinking about remaking it, I was kind of like, Alan Partridge shrug a gif. I, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. Um, but I know a lot of people are up in arms about this. So hopefully, people will continue listening to this episode for more controversial opinions. But um, what do you guys think about this? Um, uh, well, it's been a while since I've, I've I've seen The Princess Bride maybe once in my entire life. So my memory is very foggy on it. All that comes to mind is just like. Why Why would I watch this when I could be watching the actual Zorro in the 1990s masterpiece, The Mask of Zorro? <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know. You know what? To, to round it off, I think listeners might be disappointed that none of us are going to like turn our desks over in, in like rage at this, but I'm not particularly that bothered about it either. Um, I think I think you sort of hit the nail on the head, Sarah, with like, if you if you never sort of grew up on it, you're probably not going to care that much. Um, like if this was if this was Sony are planning to remake Goonies, then I'd hunt heads down in the street like a dog. But unfortunately, 
thankfully, you know, no one needs to die. Um, but like, I, yeah, I just, I just don't really, I'm not really that fussed about it. Um, and I think, I think surely we've got to a point in, in film really where, you know, nothing's off limits and occasionally every so often they can strike gold doing a remake. Like sometimes it can pay off. I'm not saying I'm all for it, but like, you know, you've got, you've got some classic films that have happened over the, you know, however many years where remakes have happened and they've, and they've done, they've tweaked it ever so slightly and it's hit, it's done a good job. You know, you can look at films like Scarface or the thing where, you know, people thought probably, I don't know, people may have thought way back then that like, that's, that's inconceivable. And I'm saying it correctly because I don't, I'm not a fan of Princess Bride. Um, but, <laughs> but like, it just, I don't know. I, if it happened, I'd, I'd be surprised if they did well, and I'd be, you know, I'd be intrigued to see if they can do well with it. Yeah, but. I think it's just it's. I'm not surprised anymore when I hear rumors about you know we we want to remake this film or remake that that film because it just seems to be the trend in cinema at the moment, and it's you can get up in arms about you know something along these lines every week it seems because it's just. You know, like I said, that's that's just the the track we seem to be on is that these films are getting remade. They're if it's bringing them to new audiences, then perhaps it's a good thing. If it's taking something that wasn't great and then improving on it, then even better. But I accept that a lot of people that it's quite a cherished film for a lot of people, it seems. And from what I saw, a lot of people were kind of up in arms about this. So I kind of have to put myself in the position of like what would I be feeling if they were like, we're going to remake Jaws and I would be pitchforks in the street rioting about that. So, yeah. Well, hell would have frozen over by then. So that's probably, <laughs> that's, that's most likely a scenario. Like what, so besides, besides Jaws, what's like, Sam, what's your film where you just think, no, don't, don't touch, touch it. it. Ooh, I think Back to the Future's an obvious one. I think stuff like Back to the Future and Jaws and, Indiana Jones are like products of their time. You can't replicate the feel of those films. That's why they are so popular and timeless because they've captured a certain kind of moment in time. But but then would you not say it's interesting that like we've so you've we've listed sort of a bunch of films there that are from the eighties and yet we've got a lot of films at the moment and you know look at Stranger Things TV series. I mean we reviewed a chapter of it last 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 episode, but prior to that you had the first one and they were very much nodding to the 80s so if if we if we sort of do homages to it do you not think there's any chance of a good remake of any of those at all it's a fine line to tread i think what we're going back earlier in the group chat we're on about kind of originals and remakes and stuff i think like you're saying with stranger things again with the nods and it's a fine line to go how far is it to go to do a good remake that still respects the source material but has something new to say i I mean in my opinion i think remakes shouldn't necessarily be like kind of popular films it should maybe be films that maybe the idea was really good but the execution was kind of like half-baked i think yeah particularly with films where they now look a little bit dated like going back and revisiting them is not the worst thing it's you know with improvements in technology and special effects and stuff like that you could make the argument that certain films could benefit from, you know, being modernized or kind of done and interpreted in different ways. And I think it's, I mean, I 
particularly not a big fan of the Disney live action remakes that we have and I think they will go on until the end of time but I'm I'm okay with them as long as they tend to do something different when it's just a kind of shot for shot I I'm not interested it's you know I could I, I saw Lion King I didn't like it because I was like I could just stay at home and watch the cartoon and have a better time um but if it's doing something a little bit different it sounds like the next one that's kind of on my radar is the Mulan one, and it's they're not having the songs in it, and they're making it quite different to the to the cartoon. And I'm I'm kind of okay with that, but I think it's it's about doing something different with the story. It's not just kind of, you know, we we want to get as much money as possible and just remake all of your beloved childhood classics. We actually want to do something different with them and improve on them. Maybe I mean many people would perhaps argue that with Princess Bride that's not possible but i guess uh we're all kind of controversially in agreement that yeah do it go for it why not <laughs> well I, I, can i just say i never said go for it sarah's not speaking on my behalf so if the um the fans <laughs> kick back it's nothing to do with me um <laughs> <laughs> my views do not represent the whole of jump cut online <laughs> <laughs> all bruce <Arrow. laughs> indeed um probably well maybe continuing the controversial opinions um I think it's about time we get into our main review for today. So we <laughs> is that we, a dig, Sarah? <laughs> we are going to be <laughs> reviewing Ad Astra. Major, what can you tell us about the Lima project? First manned expedition to the outer solar system, sir. Some twenty-nine years ago. And the commander was. It was my father, sir. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. Uh, no data was ever recovered. Deep space missions were halted after that. So this is, of course, uh, the latest film from James Gray, starring Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Negger, Donald Sutherland, and a handful of others. And the story is astronaut Roy McBride undertakes a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, 30 years later, threatens the universe. So just giving a heads up, a spoiler warning, we will be going into all the details of Ad Astra and spoiling the heck out of it and maybe ruining a couple of people's days, depending on, well, <laughs> on which of us you side with. That's just a little hint of maybe where this conversation is going to go. Again, yeah, again, I wasn't going to name Sarah. names, but we'll 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 get to that. Don't worry. Um, so I guess I'll uh, I'll I'll start us off. And if anyone has seen any of my tweets over the last couple of days, you're probably well aware of how I feel about Ad Astra. So Ad Astra for me is beautiful, thought-provoking, and intelligent science fiction. Um, so basically, 100% my shit. And I may struggle to articulate why I loved it so much across this episode, but as it stands, it is my favourite film of the year so far. And I've rather boldly admitted that it has all the potential of being in my quote-unquote god-tier sci-fi, along with films like 2001, Blade Runner, Interstellar, the kind of the cream of the crop for me. So there's a lot to unpack in this film. I'm sure we'll get into that as well. Um, and we'll work our way down in the sliding scale of controversial opinions like we did last week. Um, so I'll kick things over to Sam first. Um, what did you think of Ad Astra? 
Uh, well, as you know, I'm echoing pretty much everything you just said. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I don't think I've seen a film like this in quite a while. I mean, we've had a lot of space films in the last couple of years. We've had, obviously, Interstellar a couple of years ago, First Man last year. I'm getting a look right now from across the room because there's somebody in the room who hates First Man, so I'm feeling the scorn right now. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was really beautiful, the world of it. Very, I like films, as you probably know, because I rave about John Wick all the time, where you just get soaked up in the world building and the kind of civilization aspect of it, and there was just so much going on with that, and we'll, we'll probably get into it a bit more. And visually, technically, just chef's kiss. What more can you say about it? <laughs> um, and maybe continuing this trend, Nick, what did you think of Ad Astra? Right, so so I feel I feel like I'm going to walk into what can only be probably like a firing line of... Um, of like I'm not going to say I, I disliked it no in no way at all um I I feel like it, it, I, every so often I'm sure you know you you two probably the same opinion occasionally a film comes along where it sort of blows the tops of people's heads off after they've walked out the cinema and you walk out going I, I don't get it and I'm not to say like you know I didn't get the film. I was aware of what was happening. Um, I was there for it, but it just it didn't it didn't push to the to the sort of heights as to what everyone else seems to be sort of obviously raving about. Um, I feel that there were some elements in it that I really enjoyed. I loved the idea of you know what space travel has done to that sort of time, you know that point in time with 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 the planet and and. You know the, the the idea of the moon sort of sectors sectors of it sort of being you know dominated by certain areas and that you know there was an undenying element of loneliness throughout the film of of such a such a massive endeavor for someone to undertake and what that what told that to take takes not just on him but anyone that decides to venture off planet basically um, and there were, like I say for those elements brilliant but it just I felt like, you know, it was aiming to be a very sort of highlight the vastness of space and, you know, what can be a barren, quite scary element to it. But for me, that really, really hammered in and it, to the point where I was like, nothing's happening. I'm just really bored. Um, I'm really sorry. We Please don't kill me. That we won't Everyone. kill you. I can't vouch for the rest of film Twitter, but um, no, we respect your opinions, of course. <laughs> there you go so I'm out it's been great speaking to you guys um, jump cut rock on bye no, I'm sure we have got plenty plenty more to get into on this um, for me it was I don't know about you guys but I felt that the trailer was incredibly misleading so on my first watch I have now seen it twice at time of recording um, and yeah I don't know if, if did, did you guys kind of feel the same like when I when I saw the trailer I was like okay is this just I think it was Liv Tyler. She was throwing me off. I was just like, is this going to be like Armageddon or is this going <laughs> to... <laughs> Damn it, Liv. Um, yeah, but then... And even as, the, as I was watching the film the first time, I was like, this isn't that. I don't understand what this is. And about halfway through, I suddenly realised what type of film it was trying to be. And that was the point that I was like, oh, I am in this now and I am fully invested. And of course, on the second watch, I was just in it from, from the start. And the first watch for me, I did notice kind of 
lulls and bits where my interest was not as high as as in other points and I described it as not having that much action but I don't know on the on the second watch I it it just all came together a bit more I think just because I knew what type of film I was expecting and it is that expectations versus reality thing isn't it where you perhaps go in expecting something and then it's something different I don't know if you had the same experience or I think the trailer from what I recall of it makes it seem to be quite an action-packed film I mean when I was watching the opening sequence I was thinking wow this is what Mission Impossible is going to be like in space then it's gonna be great but uh, as the film kind of goes on it's obviously it's not that film it's a bit more introverted a bit more contemplative it's not a big hoorah action mad max on space movie i think to be honest like from what i saw i i I actually intentionally tried to avoid trailers for this for for this in particular just because i i don't know i i wanted to sort of go in blind i don't know why i think it was the fact i had i had seen little and i didn't really want to hunt it out to try and get a grasp on it um and i think sometimes that works but for me yeah i just i didn't I remember, like, the trailer I know has the sort of moon buggy chase, which was I thought was brilliant. Um, but, yeah, it, I, I was sort of going in non-wiser, really, and came out probably the same. Yeah, it does. It it packs a lot in, in into kind of... You get you do have those moments of action. I mean, we talked briefly there about the, the uh, moon buggy sequence, which, you know, not too far from Mad Max, maybe. Um and the opening scene, which is really spectacular, and there's kind of other moments of or high points of tension throughout. Um, a slightly WTF moment with a monkey, and yeah, <laughs> my screening reacted very strangely the, the when that happened in the the first time I saw it. But um, I think that that was weirdly the point in the film where I was like, oh, it's that kind of film. And then I was like, what kind of film? Space monkeys or? <laughs> um, but yeah, it is more than that, obviously. It's uh, more about, this is going to sound hopefully not too pretentious, and yeah, but it, it's more about the the journey of a person. It's about their uh, the journey of their mind, I guess, to coming to a place where they are more able to deal with their emotions or perhaps more able to release their emotions so we'll you know going talking about um brad pitt and his performance now but in the start he's this guy who is really able to compartmentalize his emotions and passes these frequent kind of psychiatric tests with almost routine calculation and then by the end we see him completely changed he is more capable of showing emotion he is at a place where he has gone on a journey particularly with his father and where that has brought him at the end and I just found all of that stuff fascinating that this could be a essentially a family drama or a you know a psychological character study almost but set against this you know beautiful backdrop of space I just found that whole aspect really fascinating and it reminded me a lot of Arrival I think that's one of the comparisons that people are making where it's not about the thing that you think it is and it's about so much more than that and that was what i really really loved about it and it's it's really a film that stayed with me as well and maybe it's stayed with you nick for the wrong reasons but um (laughs) Um, 
No, you know what? The thing is, what's interesting that you've yeah. sort of the things you've just mentioned, um, Sarah, in regards to like with the with the test, the routine test that you took. I feel like did you not feel there were a few elements that you'd seen in other films? Because the test, the test for me, I just remembered Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I was just about to mention that. And in particular, particularly, I mean, I'm, I know we've said spoilers, but I'm going to try not to in detail. But regards to sort of his encounter with Tommy Lee Jones, there is a, there is an element from Gravity in there that really stuck out for me to the point where, as it was, le- that was another thing I wanted to ask. Did either of you see any? Did you predict anything? Because I felt like a lot of it was quite predictable. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm smarter than the film. It was just there were certain areas it was leading up to where I was like, I hope this doesn't go in the direction that it does. And it did, which sort of I probably that's probably what made me sort of steer away from it as a result. I think personally, I, I didn't really expect where it would go. I think the film kind of builds you up to kind of have, oh, let's hope he meets his dad and it is a positive outcome and it just shatters you at the end in the last third. And I think that does add to the kind of emotional bleak to it, like the bleakness of it, which is an element I do enjoy. Because um, I, I was saying the other day, uh, I, I don't know if this is a correct comparison, but it kind of reminded me a bit of Hereditary. Kind of like the way echoing like the kind <laughs> of parent traits and how you pick up on that and how he's kind of trying to avoid them. And that's kind of plagued him his own life. And then the sudden like moment, he gets a bit of hope to meet his dad. He kind of tries to embody the heroic side of his father being a spaceman and all that kind of thing and then it just gets crumbled i have not seen hereditary so i probably can't offer too much to comment on this but but there's no clowns in it sarah yeah there's no <laughs> clowns in it so i should watch it you're quite right but um i i knowing what hereditary is about i can see the logic in that comparison and that it's i don't know i just i i find when because we see so many just kind of run-of-the-mill science fiction films and we joked earlier about you know Liv Tyler showing up and that automatically makes you think of Armageddon and this isn't that kind of flag waving you know we've only got you know 10 seconds left to save the world sort of thing it 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 leads you to believe it is going to be like that because there's this you know cosmic event that is kind of you know threatening the safety of everyone in the universe but the story then it almost the story gets smaller as the scale of the film gets bigger if that makes sense that as Brad Pitt is going further and further and further out into the you know deep space he is becoming closer to the truth and closer to his father and closer to kind of making peace with him as well in in that relationship and I just I love all of that. I just, I have not stopped thinking about this film from the moment I saw it. I'm already dying to see it for a third time. So maybe by the time this episode comes out, I'd have seen it a third or maybe a fourth time. But um, it's, yeah, a lot of people have said that they felt some of the other characters in it were perhaps a bit underserved or underwritten and I don't know if, if you guys had any thoughts on that or, you know, about about Brad Pitt's performance as well, if we kind of want to want to get into that and, and what you think of his performance and, and the rest of the characters in the film. I think um, Brad Pitt's performance was, was great. Um, one surprise that was a really warm welcome was I forgot how brilliant Tommy Lee Jones is. Um, Donald Sutherland, I feel, 
I think in regards to underwritten, I think Donald Sutherland, I, 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 I don't know, there was just something about it that didn't sit right with me in terms of his exit, just there are a lot of elements to it. Um, but Tommy Lee Jones, yeah, I think, you know, he's, he's just, he's an actor that, you know, can play crotchety, miserable old fart really well. Um, to see that in space, I don't know. I think I think the chem- the chemistry or lack thereof he had with Brad Pitt actually. Do you know what I mean? Like I say, chemistry. There was there was friction as soon as the meeting was like set, and I don't know. He was just he turned his level of bitterness up to eleven, and I just think he was. I think he was amazing. I think he was really good in it. Um, but yeah, it just made reminded me of like you know even finishing it thinking God I could really watch No Country for Old Men tomorrow. Um, and I, I don't know. I think he's he's just very rarely on screen, but when he is, he just he just manages to give so much with so little. Yeah, I guess it, only in a, quite a small role as well, but a really important figure across the film, isn't he? Like it's it's all about him. It's all about Brad Pitt's character going to find him. So it's he does a lot with very little screen time, as I think a lot of the other characters do as well. I mean, Ruth Negger is in it for all of about 10 minutes but I if that yeah I really liked her in it though I, I, I rate her quite a bit so it was nice to see her appear my personal favorite cameo was uh Natasha Leon on Mars just being herself in the most fabulous way possible um a bit random but I was I was here for it so yeah <laughs> um it's not necessarily like a character thing I felt or unfelt, but it's more the kind of element of that they were covering up the whole thing with his dad and trying to make like the NASA um, like Space Association be like this big, we have these big frontier heroes of space and we should it should be something we, should, we all aspire to. I think they could have kind of dug into that more because that played, like I said, a bit a big part in Brad Pitt's character that he wanted to kind of echo those traits. And they kind of they didn't go deep I enough. Think, yeah, I mean, but... there's it. It does cover a lot of ground. This film, but when it a film packs that much in, and you're also kind of left wanting more, I think that's a, the sign of a good film, really. And it does kind of let you fill in the gaps a little bit as well. It's a it gives you enough, but it also leaves you to kind of go away from it and think about it and what it could mean. And I've I've certainly seen a lot of people mentioned that that you know this film has resonated with them in various different ways and um, you know depends you know regardless of gender or experience or anything else they it's it seems to have something about it that that emotional quality that is really resonating with people and i i mean if we're going to get into the emotional side of things now max richter's score is just exquisite i want to listen to that score every day for the rest of my life Oh my goodness! I I'm I check Spotify every release. single day. Like ever since I saw the film, I'm like, come on! I need this soundtrack. They they tease me. They put up one track, um, but that's all <laughs> there is at the moment. So I'm basically just listening to that on repeat until the rest of the soundtrack comes up. But yeah, what a what a beautiful score! I loved it so much. I don't know whether you guys feel the same, but I feel like they could have ended the film a bit earlier. I, I feel like I didn't need to see him go back to space. I mean, I was saying the other day that they could have cut it like as soon as his dad like got blasted into space. I feel that would have been a bit more of a bleak, more impactful ending. I, I didn't feel like we needed to see him land and 
because the, the other thing I was thinking as well, just to go off on tangent, um, after he kind of murders that entire space crew by accident, it just goes back to Earth and everything's like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that was his exact like, response Ooh. in that bar. <laughs> <laughs> it was, a, a, I guess, a, a minor plot hole that they perhaps didn't, yeah, didn't explore. I, I personally, I liked seeing him return back to Earth because I think even though she did have a small role in it, his reconnecting with Liv Tyler's character was fairly crucial for his character arc, I guess, in that obviously they'd had problems, they'd broken up or were you know, temporarily on a break or whatever it was, uh, because he wasn't in touch with his emotions, he wasn't able to express himself um, you know, or, or be fully present in, in their relationship because he was still so you know there were so many unanswered questions with the relationship with his dad so i i liked that reconnection at the end and his kind of final monologue i guess it was it was a i think it was another like psychiatric test wasn't it at the end and it was it, there was a, a clear difference in the way he was talking then that i really appreciated um a, a, a controversial or not really controversial but something that seems to be a bit divisive is the voiceover narration um did did you have a problem with that? Was that, did you feel it was necessary, served a purpose, or? Uh, I per- I've seen the Blade Runner comparisons, which is what I thought when I watched it. This is like very much theatrical cut Blade Runner. Uh, I think there were some moments where it didn't, it wasn't needed. I mean, like when his dad obviously lets himself go at the end. I didn't really need to hear Brad Pitt go, why carry on? Why bother? I mean, I get it. <laughs> I've just I got this it. image of Sam sat in like, I get it. Uh, but, I get it. But for the rest of it, I, I didn't mind it. Like when he's at his home and he's looking out the window and it's raining, he's kind of just thinking about the mission ahead. But there's just moments where I think they could have just used the silence of space just to kind of reinforce the kind of... I think it's, it's that... Yeah, I, I think it's probably Mark Kermode that says it's sort of like show, don't tell kind of thing, but it, it does in a way do the opposite of that because it is fully telling you everything. And I didn't I didn't mind it. I didn't find it intrusive. I thought it served a purpose given the kind of introspective type of film that it was, but I could have just as easily done without it. I don't, I don't think, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't bother me it being there, but if it wasn't there, I would be fine with that also. I guess that's a very diplomatic answer, isn't it? But, (laughs) um, so I guess, is there anything else you guys wanted to get into as Ad Astro, or we can start uh, wrapping up and giving our ratings? Uh, I think there's been kind of like a discussion, like today, I think somebody shared a tweet into the chat, about the kind of stance the film has and kind of like male mental health and stuff like that. And I've seen some people on either side of the argument and I think the fact that it's just encouraging mm, the discussion I, is a yeah, good thing. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen some stuff around kind of about it um, being a positive uh, exploration of male emotion as well and obviously not being able to speak into that in huge amounts of detail, but I think it is a good representation of that. I think it's... If, and like you said, if it gets people talking about it, then then great. And I definitely agree with that. And yeah, it, it does seem to be divisive, uh, this film. I, I mean, we are evidence of that, I guess, as we're a, a two against one for liking Sarah, it. Sarah, you paid and, Sam, admit it. <laughs> and, oh, my secret's out. 
damn it. Uh, I'm currently <laughs> on the way to my bank to get the check. Yeah, <laughs> cha-ching. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as we're sort of wrapping up, uh, any kind of final thoughts you have and uh, rating out of five? Shall we go to Nick first? Um, it's Lonely Out in Space. It's also just ever so slightly boring. Um, I gave it, I'd give it three out of five. Okay. <laughs> um, Sam, what about you? Uh, I just think it's brilliant. I mean, I was saying to someone the other day as well, I feel like I've said that phrase a lot today, but uh, I was saying the other day that I can't decide whether this or John Wick 3 is my favourite of the year. It, it's hard to choose. But yeah, I just think I just think it's so, they're so brilliant films and it's hard to choose. But just echoing what I said earlier as well about the world building, just the fact that we're, they ventured up on Elon Musk's uh, commercial airline to the moon, and then there was a subway there. I want to go to the moon. What could you want from this? <laughs> Footlongs <laughs> in space. Brad Pitt's just sat there having a footlong BMT. <laughs> That's been a deleted scene, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> just Brad Pitt in the queue. <laughs> <laughs> Deciding what bread he wants. <laughs> peppers, peppers, please. <laughs> Hearty Italian. <laughs> Between John Wick and, and and this, was there anything else that you you had at number one and it's it's knocked it off the spot? Do you know what? Weirdly, oh, in my in my uh, 2019 list, uh, prior to this, I think I had Avengers Endgame at number one, um, so it's knocked that off. And weirdly, talking about John Wick, I think it was the first John Wick film that has been sacrificed in my best of decade list. Mate room for Ad Astra. I'm so sorry, Sam. I will try oh. and find a way to put it back in. <laughs> Mr. Rick. Well, Mr. Wick's going to be raging. <laughs> it's okay. We, we, can we are no longer friends. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> so we'll have a look now at some of the reactions from people on social media. So thank you, everyone, who has been tweeting us and letting us know your thoughts. Let's see what side of the fence our lovely Twitter followers reside on. So at Films with Amy, she says, I know I'm in the minority. Don't worry, Amy, you're not. But I was really disappointed. Aside from the beautiful cinematography, I found the story to be lacking and the film drags on for so long. If it's a slow burner, I need to care about the characters and the story and I just didn't hear. Um, at Austin Knoll underscore says, 2001 meets Interstellar meets Apocalypse Now. Beautifully written, beautifully acted and beautifully shot. It really sticks with you. And I like this one. This is from at the Marco guy who says, Ad Astra is about Brad Astra seeking his dad Astra. The movie's not bad Astra. In fact, it's quite rad Astra, which makes me very glad Astra. <laughs> 10 out of 10 for that review. Um, and 
at not a real scouser says the effects were beautiful but felt like off cut from gravity or interstellar rather than anything new and emotional connection there was none i left the cinema with dry eyes and my overriding feeling was boredom i think nick wrote that one maybe hey now um, <laughs> I gave three. That's, a, that's a decent star rating <laughs> And, and finally, at the Movie Nerd 86 said, it's been about 17 hours since I watched it and I just couldn't get it out of my head. An absolutely unique experience like Moon or Interstellar. Pitt gave such a controlled, brilliant performance and Tommy Lee Jones carries on playing arseholes we love to hate. So that leads us very nicely into uh, talking about our favourite Brad Pitt performances. Uh, so I don't know, how does uh, Ad Astra stack up against your favourite Brad Pitt performances. Do you have a favourite Brad Pitt performance, um, Nick? Do you want to start us off? Um, yes, I definitely do. Um, my, I, I sort of sat and stewed on this for a while. Um, I was torn between um, Mickey from Snatch, <laughs> um, but now I settled on um, uh, Billy Bean from Moneyball. Um, I had no, I had no intention of, enjo- of of really having any sort of interest in that film. I'm not particularly a sporty gent. Um, I'm not really in, into baseball. And by the end of that film, I was obsessed. Like it's for one, it's brilliantly written anyway. Um, but it was it was just his. You know, we, we, I think you know, like you were saying in previous tweets and, and talking about Brad Pitt's reserve performance in this. Like he he can do it. He's he. I just think he's he's got so many different areas he can he can step into. When you look at you know, Ad Astra and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, they're, they're both of the ends of the spectrum, I feel, on occasion. Um, and Moneyball's, like, such a reserved, you know, realistic manager who sort of looks at the situation he's in and goes, right, how can we fix it? And ignores, to the point of almost, like, damnation to, to get the, the results he wants. Um, and I just think he's brilliant. And his chemistry with Jonah Hill is just amazing as well. It's a great pick and was almost my pick. I will leave you hanging on a little bit longer to find out what my favourite is. Um, Sam, what's your favourite Brad Pitt performance? It's a pretty obvious choice, but uh, it's a good choice nonetheless, I must say. I, I think so, anyway. Inglorious Bastards, come on. That's oh, mine. It's mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, come on, guys, so be original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I rewatched that film a couple of weeks ago and, yeah, it just still stands as the best performance from him, for me anyway. As soon as he starts speaking a flawless Italian, I know that uh, the Oscar has to be in his hands. So good. It's just, I, I think that was the first one that I... I mean, he's done other comedic performances before that, but I was like, God damn, he's funny. It's just... And in a cast like that as well, with so many standouts, for him to be, probably along with Christoph Waltz, probably the best in that film is... I love that performance so much. Yeah, that's my it was my pick as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd probably add Are there any honourable mentions from either of you? Yeah, that's what I was just about to get on to. I probably would add Burn After Reading in there as well. And maybe this is an unpopular choice, but this is just because for some reason I remember renting this movie from Blockbuster and me and my brother watched it back twice for some reason. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a left field one, man. That's not the it's film a, I was expecting right to come there, up. The Brad, Brad stands <laughs> out there. <laughs> <laughs> From blockbusters as well. I mean, that is a throwback in two separate levels. So. <laughs> Five pounds for three nights. I mean, that's as many hours as Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie as you want. I mean, who can say no to that? Bring back blockbusters. Come on. 
<laughs> I, I, think... I also like um, Interview the Vampire feels quite an overlooked one. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's a good shout, actually. He's had a, a, a pretty varied career, really, hasn't he? I mean, in this year, like, within months, kind of starring in two massive films, and I think, as you mentioned, um, Nick, just completely different performances in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Ad Astra, you could not get further apart if you tried. But I think that in terms of Ad Astra, it, it might not be my favorite Brad Pitt performance, but I think it's probably arguably his best. I think to make the distinction between those two things, I, I love his performance in Inglorious Bastards. But I think in Ad Astra, it's such just to play it that reserved and that paired back is really quite something. It did remind me a lot of Ryan Gosling in First Man, which is another comparison that I think people are making and playing it so so quiet, so reserved. It, it takes a lot of skill to do that. It's, you, you know, you've got a completely kind of showy, over-the-top performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then you have this, and it's like you almost can't believe it's the same guy. And from the performances that we've all just mentioned as well, like so many different types of roles that he's played. And he's really like, I don't know, I, sometimes I think people don't really rate him that much or, or as much as they should, but he's really great. Like, and in the roles that he's played over the years. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's in. Um, so Sam, he's gone to the bank tonight. He's in Thelma and Louise, right? Yes, that was. Yeah, yeah, that was his first I role. I that performance. I didn't know that was his first role. I've still not seen it, which uh, I know. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> that and Hereditary. It's my uh, homework from today, I think. That's wow, a what, a, what a double bill. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of, uh, well, yeah, double bill. The, the next, uh, well, I think we'll probably won't have as much to say on this, but we are very briefly going to cover our thoughts on Rambo Last Blood, which is another big release from this week. Um, I have absolutely nothing to contribute because I have not seen it. But as I understand, Nick and Sam, you have seen it. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I've let you down. Um, I, I tried to see it. I had no time. And by the sounds of things, I've dodged a bullet, a bow and arrow, and a machete <laughs> at this point. Sam, it's all on you then. Yep. Go on. Your quick fire thoughts on the Rambo Last Blood. Quick fire Rambo Last Blood. Um... It's such an odd beast, the Rambo franchise. You've got the first one that's kind of this kind of drama about PTSD, and at the time it wasn't a thing that wasn't diagnosed properly, it, and that film kind of draw the lights on it. The second one's just action schmaltz to compete with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Rambo 3, um, let's just forget about that one. And then Rambo 4, I think it's kind of a return to form, even though the second half of the movie is just turning people into gelatine.mp4. And then Rambo 5 is just disappointing, to be honest. It it's disregards the character so much that I can't even believe that Sylvester Stallone co-wrote it. Or I think he actually like did the full writing credit on it. It's just so out of touch with the character. It's very problematic in the way it portrays uh, Mexican culture. Mexicans is literally the shots off the wall that would make you think Donald Trump came on set and said, yeah, just point the camera there, please. <laughs> so I it think... all just leads up to this really lacklustre home alone home stallone as rightly pointed out by many uh <laughs> final acts that's just it's it's not the one home stallone that is a remake that i would watch <laughs> <laughs> i 
<laughs> Speaking of Home Alone, just to spin back to the beginning of the podcast, Ryan Reynolds is going to star in a remake of Home Alone called Stoned Alone. Is that true? <laughs> it, I, I feel like I read that as a, an official like article a few months ago where the premise is that he gets high and thinks people are breaking into his house. My word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I read something. Ryan Reynolds producing Stoner Home Alone remake. He's not. He's Sam's not lying. I thought Sam he's had not dreamt lying. it, but apparently I no. It, but yeah. apparently I'm just having colourful dreams. That's craziness. <laughs> Let's hope that it uh, doesn't become a reality because that I don't know. Would I watch that? Probably, but I would certainly watch. To counter it, to counter it, Chris has given it a, like a beaming review on the website, from what I remember. In fact, his, his, his head's probably exploding now as we sort of skate Rambo. Yeah, he gave it four stars. So, yeah, that's... I don't know what that says about him. <laughs> Chris, we love you, really. Just, just the scary... I don't know. It was just, it was just the scary, gory, gory levels of, like... I don't know. How, how much blood do we see? It's, I don't know how like the violence in it is rated 15, because it's pretty... Fucking brutal. Really? <laughs> See, why can't they put that on the post? Right really fucking brutal. Sam Connery jump cut online. Yeah. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> um, if you have to give it a rating, Sam, probably I guess not as high as Ad Astra, but a rating out of five. If you if you have to. Well, I gave it two stars the other day when I saw it, but the more I think about it, the more it goes down. So I'm gonna have to change my rating to a one and a half. Wow. That's uh, scathing and not uh, in line with the review we have on our website. But if you want to read a review by a person who did enjoy it, then you can go and check that out um, at Jump Cut Online. And of course, you can read our written review for Ad Astra as well, which I believe was by Corey. And he loved it just as much as me and Sam. So you can go and check that out as well. Um, I think we're about ready to wrap up now. So just to mention that on the next episode, uh, the team, I think it's Dave, headed up by Dave with Reese and Tom, and they are going to be reviewing Joker. Are we excited about that one, guys? I am. I think uh, there's going to be a group trip for the Sheffield jump cutters to go see it next week, as far as I know. Very nice. Very nice. I've got FOMO already. <laughs> I will be trying to see it. Uh, I'm going to attempt to squeeze it in between LFS madness and, and everything else because it comes out uh, very inconsiderate there uh, two days into the festival. So I will attempt to squeeze it in. But I'm very much looking forward to hearing uh, what the guys think about that. And I don't know. It's it's I'm feeling hopeful at the moment. But I... Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that film as well, so I don't know. We should see what side of the fence we are all sitting on with that. Are you? What are your thoughts on uh, Joker, Nick? Are you, uh, are you up for it? Are you feeling good? Yeah? No, it's all right. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I can't wait. Um, I think just from what's been on show so far and the fact that they've, you know, for the majority of... of like tv adverts that have been released following its sort of day its premiere you know the fact that it's got more stars in it than ad astra um it's just it just look it, it, 
I'll be amazed if I don't like it. But I, you know, I thought I'd like Ad Astra. I'm still, I'm still recovering, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Todd yeah. Phillips has got the goods. He's yeah, got we'll see how need. it does. We'll see how it does. <laughs> we again. That should be in the review. <laughs> I'm sure there will be lots of uh, lots to talk about that one very soon. Um, and as sort of briefly hinted at there as well, I and a couple of others from the team are going to be covering London Film Festival. So that kicks off properly on the 2nd of October. So you can expect to see tons of reviews um, about that, uh, various films that we're hoping to see. I'm hoping to get to as many as possible in between all of the work I have to do as well around the festival. So think of me as I have absolutely no sleep and attempt to watch as many films as possible. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good time. Um, so I think, I think, I think that's us for today. And um, thank you both for sharing your thoughts and for keeping it as civil as possible. I think we did a, I think we did a pretty good job at trying to keep it balanced. <laughs> but um, yeah, so any Final comments from both of you, um, and also where can people find you if they so desire on the Twitters? Who's going first? <laughs> uh, what more to say? Ad Astra, Rad, Rambo, not Rad. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Sunday Rain, so that's at underscore Sunday underscore Rain underscore. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to sort of back you guys up with Ad Astra. We've had this discussion. I refuse to speak to it again. Um, Sarah, love what you've done with the place. You've been a wonderful host. Um, uh, and you can catch me at Nick Stanley Force, where I'll be probably not ranting about Ad Astra. Did I say I've, I didn't like Ad Astra? I don't like Ad Astra. I think he's warming up to it. <laughs> I think maybe you mentioned it. I am not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just in case people uh, were not clear, <laughs> you definitely did not like Ad Astra. Um, I did, so uh, please go and follow me on Twitter for all of the tweets praising Ad Astra. I am at Sarah Buddery. And of course, you can find all of us at jumpcast underscore. You can check out all of our written reviews, features, interviews, news, and more at jumpcutonline.co.uk. And you can go straight to jumpcutonline.co.uk forward slash jumpcast to find out where you can find all of our podcast episodes it won't take you long because it's only two at the moment um but we'll be back with our next episode with a joker review in two weeks time see you then